just beneath the shore. Alrighty. Welcome back, everyone, to Finding New Films. I am the host, Hunter Harris, and I'm back with the vet, Trevor. What's up, Ed? Yeah. Oh. Piece of, piece of soundproofing just fell off the wall back there. Uh, I'm a veteran now. Yeah, well, of course. So when do I give them pension? Maybe you're a veteran after next. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll get there one day, boss. Yeah, he stepped in for a pen, stepped in on a pinch. Uh, I see this guy's talent, but I've got to, you know, I got to measure it a little bit. Um, you know, kind of like the Charlie Chaplin's, that fucking asshole that held him back at the beginning. Yo, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, even before that, the Vaudeville guy. Oh, yeah. I liked the, the, in the in title slide for him. Yeah. <laughs> the Independentist. That was the shoot. Yeah. Fuck that guy. But anyway, yeah, this week um, we watched Chaplin, 1992. Uh, this was my pick. On, um, yeah. Uh, reasoning behind this pick was I was I, I, I'm a big Marvel fan. Always known RDJ for Iron Man, obviously. For Ezra, I'm probably like billions of people around the world. Um, and so I wanted to see, like, just what he was would do with an actual artistic role, or like being given a an actually tasking uh, acting. Yeah, it's a big ask to be able to basically reproduce like one of the best physical actors like of all time, right? And like to just be able to, to copy him, it's not just the simplest copy, like especially in like his, I mean, in like the scenes where he is you know, doing the comedy bits and the slapstick, he's fantastic. But when he's just being Charlie, like talking to his brother or arguing with his wife, you know, it doesn't matter. Number one, two, or three, just one of his wives. <laughs> he's very real. And like, I, I don't know, I said, I obviously don't know what Chaplin was like, but they based it off his biography and another biography about him. So I feel like they got it pretty close. It was very convincing. Um, I fell for the guy. Yeah. Fell for him. Not about, not about not where he was feeling. I don't not at work. Not about, not about the teenage brides. I, I don't feel them there. I, I don't get that, frankly. Um, but I get the other stuff like the uh, having a, a mother with mental health issues and dealing with that and a complicated relationship with your brother and that make that's that's relatable. That's relatable. Not the statutory fit. No, not at all. That part was like, damn, do I even like this guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Clark like those, are the fuck the protagonists? And they're like, yeah, he kind of likes little girls. Yeah, like, the, well, at least like the whole movie, it felt like they were walking on this tightrope of like, okay, we're going to address the, the shady stuff, but look how anti-fascist he was. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, I like it again. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 and like you pit somebody's J. Edgar Hoover, I'm gonna root for him, right? Fuck J. Edgar. Yeah, he he had some pretty good heels uh, along his run. You know, yeah, fascism is a pretty easy bad guy to. Yeah, like I'm not gonna be like, oh well, he's wrong. You <laughs> let him let him spit. He's kind of he's kind of spitting on his defensive fascism, right? I will say I was surprised for a movie that came out in 92. I guess that's far enough away from Chaplin's actual life to be a little bit more objective about how he was. But I was really surprised that in 92, 
they were like willing to address it and make it a bad thing about him rather just like yeah that's what he did because like there are movies coming there are biopics coming out now that don't address like the cd or parts like the of of an artist like the elvis one Austin butler but they didn't address that shit at all it's like a 13 year old watch cousin hey baby <laughs> meanwhile chad or at least everyone in his life was talking shit on him for marrying a 16 year old <laughs> so i i one of my notes and I guess I'll just go ahead and say it is like he, he carried the proper amount of shame for someone who did the, the shameful thing that he did. Yeah, it's like credit where credit is due. Uh, I guess we should talk about the credits. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm getting pretty good at it. Yes, that's what it is. That's a veteran thing right there. Stenguation. And setting up segways. Uh, so runtime on Chaplin. Uh, Chaplin came out on December twenty uh, fifth. For some Christians, they like to call that Christmas Day, nineteen ninety two. Never heard of it. No, I don't. I'm not aware, but I've heard Christians talk about it. Um, runtime is one hundred and forty three minutes. Didn't feel like it. Uh, oh. Um, so as you mentioned, Charlie Chaplin authored a book uh, about his own life, his autobiography, and then David Robinson uh, had a biography about him that was the inspiration for this film. And this film was written by William Boyd, Brian Forbes, and William Goldman, and the story was done by Diana Hawkins. A lot of authors, a lot of people putting their, their word uh, into this movie. So... Um, Normally, you could have like a time where it's like, oh, this is gonna be tragic. Like five people's texts or like interpretations of a text or something of a situation is gonna get muddled at a certain point. But it didn't feel like no, it was very cohesive. Um, having known really nothing about Charlie Chaplin besides like I knew about the Great Dictator movie and I knew I knew vaguely that he was anti-fascist because of that. Um, and, and I had heard like there was some controversy about him, but I thought that was just like the, the communist stuff, the political stuff. I had no idea that he actually was uh, hooking up with 16 year olds, but sounds about Ryan for Hollywood back then. And then not right for, yeah, any time really <laughs> rich people sounds about, sounds about right. Rich people fuck children. Uh, so the director <laughs> is Richard Attenborough. Uh, the movie was edited by Anne V. Coates. Um, the music was done by John Barry. The camera was done by Sven Nectus. Uh And the stars in the movie, I'm going to give it to RDJ, Geraldine Chaplin, uh, Paul Reese, and um, Anthony Hawkins. Um those are basically the stars of the movie. They make the most impact. Paul Reese plays uh, his brother. Anthony Hawkins was the well, writer. The, 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 the fictional writer of the of the Yeah, the editor. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually yeah, yeah, the, but you said that they're fiction. Yeah, he wasn't a real person. But it was a very good insert. Like that's the only like fake person they made up pretty much for that, besides probably some like the little anecdote type encounters Chevlin would have with like random people those could have been fake those could have been real or anything. who knows uh but he was a really good made up character to insert to kind of just like cut back to like not modern times but like the red like the um retrospective 
introspective, yeah. you know, uh, chaplain. And it tied into how they ended the movie with the Academy. Which is really well done. Yeah. I like that ending a lot. And uh, though I will say, I thought from the beginning, when the first time you see, like, old chaplain makeup, RDJ, and I was like, well, that's a little bit disturbing. <laughs> the only thing I saw the whole time that went, oh, yeah, this is from the 90s. And then at the very end, oh, yeah, that's probably the most disturbing makeup. I mean, just as jarring that I've ever seen RDJ in. And I've seen Trap of Thunder. Yeah, it's so. So that was, it's so creepy. It's like, it was on Alpha Mole makeup. It, it just, his lips, he scared me. They looked like they were going to fall off. They, they probably were. Honestly. <laughs> it's fucking gross. But, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. But, like, that was the only thing in the whole movie that really threw me for a loop. I was like, ah. <laughs> Everything else, I, I about the shooting and, like, the transitions from, like, RDJ doing the reenactment to like the real clips from Chaplin movies. Those were really well done. The costumes, accents, like the, all the, you know, set pieces and stuff are really cool to see. Um, they did that really well. So it was a period piece. Good job. But yeah, I thought the set pieces were really cool. They were really grand. Um, even going back to like to seeing the actual set pieces. Yeah, when he first comes out on the Hollywood, it beats the Dan Aykroyd's character, uh, Senate. The first time, and there's the guy being chased, and like there's the rolling background to simulate like that he's moving fast. And like when they show him shooting that clip in the cabin that's like falling off the mountain, and how they did that back then, yeah, I find that so cool. I've seen some clips of like Alfred Hitchcock and like how he achieved stuff, but to go back like 30, 40 more years and see how they were doing it then is really interesting because like it, like the line that Dan Aykroyd's character has is like, This isn't an ancient like business, like this is all new. I was like, that's a really interesting way to frame it. Because, yeah, it was completely new. Like, I mean, stage actors were like, movies. Yeah. They had a line in there. That guy was like, ah, nobody is, nobody is paying it. It was when he gets his, uh, his, like, his thing from Aykroyd's character. It's like, I think we pay. Who would pay $100 a week? I don't pay. Like, $150. <laughs> $150 a week. Who would we pay? We all take but I love how we were. A little bit more modern. Zooey Mop. Zooey Mop. Shout out to Rowley. Shout out Rowley Jefferson. So, yeah, we're going to now read the plot. I'm now going to read the plot. Me and Trevor are going to do it at Unison. Um. Okay, I'm going to read the plot now. Charlie was born in... <laughs> uh, so, Chaplin, 1992, is as follows. An elderly Charlie Chaplin reminisces during a conversation with George Hayden, the fictionalized editor of his autobiography. Chaplin escapes his poverty-stricken childhood by immersing himself in the world of London's variety circus. Variety circuit. Uh, after his mother Hannah loses her voice on stage, five-year-old Charlie takes her place. Hannah is eventually committed to an asylum after developing psychosis. Because she was bad at singing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the worst framed writing ever. ever. <laughs> that made it seem like she went insane because she couldn't sing it. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. Uh, Hannah is eventually committed to an asylum after developing psychosis. 
Uh, over the years, uh, Chaplin and his brother Sidney Dan work with variety producer Fred Carno, who later sends him to the United States. He begins a relationship with dancer Hetty Kelly and soon proposes to her, but she declines, reasoning that she's too young. Good job. Because she died at 25, so. Yeah. She married a politician. That's honestly the only fair reason to marry that young. <laughs> because she married a politician. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's a. And she was Irish. She sure. She found something else. Um, he vows to return uh, when he is a success. In America, Chaplin is employed by famous comedy producer Max Sennett. He creates the Tramp persona, and due to the terrible directorial abilities of Sennett's girlfriend, Mabel Normand, he becomes his own director. After Sidney becomes his manager, Chaplin breaks from Sennett to gain complete control over his films and with the goal of one day owning his own studio. In 1917, he completes work on his politically sensitive The Immigrant and starts a two-year relationship with actress Edna Purviance. Years later, at a party thrown by Douglas Fairbanks, Chaplin dates child actress Mildred Harris. He sets up his own studio and becomes the most famous man in the world, and that is in quotes. Uh, before his 30th birthday, Chaplin tells Fairbanks that he must carry Harris, sorry, he must marry Harris because she is pregnant, but later learns that that is a hoax. Chaplin is, has a conversation with J. Edgar Hoover about actors and directors and propaganda. This sparks a 40 long year vendetta by Hoover. Harris's divorce lawyer, sorry, that's, I need to pause there. This sparks a 40 year vendetta. Harris's divorce lawyers claim Chaplin's film, The Kid, as an asset. Champ, Chaplin and Sidney flee with the footage, finish editing in Salt Lake City, uh, in a Salt Lake City hotel, and then smuggle it back to Los Angeles. That whole part was... That was really... Yeah, it was really funny. I was like the, the Yakin Sats type chase going around, and RDJ cross-dressed him, peeking and just hopping on the side of the car. That was all, that was all good stuff. I didn't expect that kind of, like, goofiness to come up, because I felt like they got plenty of goofiness in the actual, like, scenes where he was, you know, acting, and, and but like, that kind of popping up, I was like, oh, this is fun. And because it, it would get really serious. It didn't too serious, and I was perfectly infused. Uh, so then the brothers arrange for their mother to join them, but Chaplin cannot cope with her worsened condition. In 1921, Chaplin attends the UK premiere of Kid. He hopes to locate Hetty, but Carno informs him that she died of the flu. Uh, Chaplin also discovers, although most are happy to see them, the British working class resent him for not fighting in World War I as they did. Back in America, Hoover digs into Chaplin's private life, suspecting him uh, of a communist sympathist. Uh, Chaplin is forced to consider the effects of the talkies on his career. Uh, despite the popularity of sound films, he vows to never make a talkie during featuring the tramp. In 1925, Chaplin makes The Gold Rush and marries bit-part actress Lita Gray. However, he later confides to George that he always thought of her as a quote-unquote total bitch and barely mentions her in his autobiography. Chaplin marries Paulette Goddard and feels a sense of guilt and sympathy for the millions unemployed due to the Wall Street crash uh, in which Chaplin sold most of his shares the year prior. Chaplin decides to address the issue in his movie, Modern Times, but his dedication to the film results in the breakup of his marriage. 
At an industry party, Chaplin refuses to shake hands with a visiting Nazi. Fairbanks comments that Chaplin resembles Adolf Hitler, providing him with inspiration for his next film, The Great Dictator. Uh, it satirizes Nazis and is a huge world hit, but Hoover tries to portray it as an anti-American propaganda. Which was... Anti-fascism is anti-American. I'm a thought. Chaplin finally settles down and marries Neil, an actress who strikingly resembles Hetty. However, it is alleged that he is the father of the child of former lover Joan Barry. Despite a blood test providing, sorry, proving that the child is not his, Chaplin is ordered to provide financial support with his reputation severely damaged. He stays out of the public eye for over seven years until producing the limelight during the height of McCarthyism. Chaplin leaves America with Umar on a visit to Britain, but he, a United States Attorney General, reverses permit to re-enter the United States. In 1972, Chaplin is invited back to America to receive a special Academy Honorary Award. Uh, although he is initially resentful in his exile and fearful that no one will remember him, he's moved to tears of the audience to see him laughing at his films and given the Academy Awards the longest standing ovation. Uh, which is a beautiful ending. Mm -hmm. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. Just because it kind of, I mean, besides the horrible, well, not horrible, just not aged well, aging makeup. Uh, that was just really good. Um, the dialogue and stuff was great, and his performance was good. His delivery of the lines was really good. Just like him crying as he watches all like the, the highlights of his career it was really touching. And you almost forget about all the 16 year olds. Almost. I didn't. He did it. He did a good job of acting as an old person. I don't think that's a very easy thing. No, no, it's not because like he moved like um, and he like, I guess like just the way he talked in his older self, like you tell how much more introspective he was as a person. How like how writing this book and going to the editing process of this book like really made him consider his entire life and his career in a deeper way than he had before but and plus also he's just much older than you see him for most of the movie um so he's just got like that old man experience and like just the way that he retells things when he's talking to uh i already forgot the guy's name when he's talking to the editor like it's like oh yeah this is a different charlie than we saw here and here and here looks like a very different charlie and Robert Downey Jr. did a fantastic job of making that clear, I think. Um, he really, he fucked up that movie. He did that shit. He fucked that shit up. Man, I mean, he, he made that shit his bitch. He really did. I mean, it, to, to outshine everyone else in the movie version, they were all great to you, as far as I'm concerned. I really like, like I said, really loved Dan Aykroyd in that. He was the perfect, like, boisterous, just like, asshole, like Hollywood asshole. He was great. Uh, James Woods with him appearance was so unexpected and he was just like in Family Guy he's a total asshole screws over the main character <laughs> that whole like uh, monologue in the courtroom I was just pissed but I realized that I was kind of supposed to be I just I really I hate lawyers yeah they're I hate James Woods they're the worst I don't know I was trying to see if he got nominated for this movie. 
that'd be really cool because that was relatively early in his career, wasn't it? Thanks, Sam. That'd be great. While you're doing that, I want to say one of my favorite lines from the movie, which is a much less heartfelt or emotional, uh, is just when Charlie's mom, like, sorry, it's only fish heads tonight. But it was like, wait, fish heads? Fish. You said fish head? Fish heads. Or do you even just get just the heads? You just wait at the fish market for the guys chopping them, and you just take the bucket and fucking run. And so funny. Give me fish heads. Give me fish head. You know, as you get into the fucking bowl of what is basically just water and fish head. It's just hot water fish head. I mean, that's why she went fucking insane. <laughs> Every night I'm cooking and I see a thousand eyes staring back at me. <laughs> and she's fucking eating fish brain. That's why she's insane. Yeah, his only two Academy Award nominations were for this movie, with nominated for Best Actor, obviously. And then he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Tropic Thunder. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but it should have been one. Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards for doing blackface. It was in a funny way, an overly contextual way. He was playing a guy who was, yeah, he was, he was playing a dude disguised as another dude. He is the dude who plays the dude who's disguised as another dude. But yeah, he, um, but that, yeah, I was, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, he, he, and then he's painting his face white in this movie. I think he just likes painting his face. Yeah. It's kind of, well, I'm really going to do that. Change the, the, where we do the themes. I'm going to do the themes right now instead of at the end because I don't think it makes sense. And we there at the end of the podcast, I'm going to run through. Well, we'll just do this on-the-fly switch right now. First time ever. Wow. Yeah. So the first theme I have is capitalism and the effects on the, that it has on the individual. Uh, I have change versus tradition, coming of age, circle of life, destruction of beauty, empowerment, evils of racism, facing reality, the fear of failure, identity crisis, quest for discovery, uh, totalitarianism, vulnerability of the meek, and war, or any the war, it's war, necessity, pain, and tragedy. Yeah. Uh, and then last one, not so much. Maybe not the tragedy and pain part, but the glory necessity is. And, and also arguing the necessity of, in the glory of war, not just entirely. And anti-fascism is also a big, gosh. It's a good bit of the theme. That, um, for me, I, I don't know. I, I kind of just, you kind of touched on everything that I was thinking, really. Um, especially like the fear of failure and um, just the idea that you always think less of yourself than people around you do. Like that fear he had of uh, going back to Hollywood and them not knowing him and like not remembering him at all and stuff. That's just insane. Like from an outside perspective, I mean, I'd have never, I'd never watched one of his movies or anything. They're, quite old but i i was just like kind of knew who charlie chaplin was and it's like a hundred years later <laughs> so the idea that back in like the 60s 70s he thought that people would have already forgotten about him is insane to me and it just shows you the 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 way he thought of himself and the way he thought of his work he was like well if i'm not constantly doing it if it's not perfect like that's why he toiled over his movies that's why, you know, that was, it was always the most important thing to him. It's why he was so defensive of 
the silent movies versus talkies. It's because that's what he became good at. He didn't believe he could be good at a talkie, even though, like, why not? He did stage performances. That was a live, like, that's, like, the hardest thing you could do. So to transition to movies, like, and then to talkies, shouldn't have been that hard. But it's just he got into his own head, and he struggled with, um, like, himself, basically. Like, I'm not deserving of all this fame and fortune and all this stuff. And so, like, he had a lot of shame about the sex stuff. But also a lot of shame about, like, uh, how he left his mother um, and just how he... Fuck. I lost him and I lost the phrase. But he was very shameful of, you know, and, and self-conscious, I guess, of his work. And I thought that was a big theme. So basically learning to love what you do and be like, oh, I, I'm good at this. I, I did good and I should be recognized. Not just like, no one's going to fucking know who I am and like I'm a failure and this was all for nothing. It's like you were like literally just go anywhere. People were like, oh, Charlie, Charlie. Charlie signed this, signed this. Like, I get a picture of Charlie. And he's like, well, it's been 10 years, so everyone, that's, I'm dead to them. Right. Like, do you really think that low of yourself, man? You're living in a fucking mansion in Switzerland. You don't get that kind of money without a lot of people knowing who you are and remembering who you are. Like, oh, hey, living, living in a Swiss mountain range. Like, I don't. With your hot 30 years younger than you, wise. Pretty much talk about when they got it good, when they got it good. So, like, as much self awareness as he has, it seems like, you know, because he has empathy for the poor throughout the movie and stuff like that, and he tries to be like their. It's it's kind of posed that he like wants to be their like model or their hero or something like that, their folk hero, but their his actions a lot of times just completely contradicted it of him yeah. and just like well yeah i'd see you know all these people they're going through a lot so i'm gonna make another movie it's like a, it's a very hollywood way of thinking exactly. and i should i need to make a movie about this yeah but i need something bad is happening in the world and so i need to bring light to this by making a film i'm gonna get 30 of my actor friends to make a film where we all sing this cool new song let it be we would know what did they think. It was a magic challenge. Yeah, that, that was horrid. I, I am still in awe that that ever happened. Honestly, I think a less of every actor that did that. I had tried to forget every actor that was in the high remember. I just remember the ones who I actually liked, and then I saw they did that stupid shit, and I was like, I don't like you as much now. Yeah. That that was really. I like to have a country dream. Was the bit where he's he had just worked out and he was with his third wife Goddard and uh, Paulette. <laughs> yeah, he was at one end of his like premiere with her or something. And there's all these you know people in like the food line, like trying to just get like their rations. And they a few of them run up to him and ask for autographs. He's like, I wish they had asked me for my money. He's like, I wish you would have offered some. I mean, it was like 1930s, so you definitely had cash on you, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wish you would have offered your money. That <laughs> they could have just left that scene out. Yeah, and I would have thought better of them for it, but they made me like, wait a second, wait, so you're cheating? You have no money on you right now? Yeah. 
Because like a dollar to each of these people would be a huge difference considering it's 1930 and you have, you're a millionaire in fucking 1930. That's a shit of money, dude. You could probably end the depression. Oh, God. Yeah, that killed me. It's like, yeah, four people are doing really bad. Aren't I doing any help? But it really sucks that they're going through that. Oh, thanks for the solidarity. I'm going to eat that tonight. Because these people are also poor. Like, they would love to go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, right. What can I do to make them feel better? I know. I would make a picture that's behind a paywall and they <laughs> don't have money for it. Five dollars. You cut it. Not in the day, though. It's probably like five. Like that. It probably would have been like, yeah, five cents. Actually, I'm pretty sure at some point there was a poster that was like five cents for a ticket. I don't know at what point in his career that was. Me personally, I'd be charging. I'd pay a quarter. You guys see Charlie Chap? I'd pay 50. Whoa. I'm not fucking around. That was my tuition payment. <laughs> Divine reference for you. Um, so we have to go to break now. Um, so we will be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean about it. And we're we're gonna get up and go. You know, we're gonna go to the bathroom. We're probably gonna have a snack and you know, just hang out for a minute. You sit right there. We're gonna go to a baseball game, and you're just gonna be sat there when we get back because you have nothing else. Kind of sad. Should probably find some friends. Damn, perched. You know, I I think with the the number of listeners we have, I don't think we should start disparaging them quite yet. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> So there's ousted from the board of director. I've eaten 84 pizzas since January. Only something in more twice. Have you ever seen that video of him? Where he's like, I've, uh, I've had 60 pizzas in the last... Yeah, he's like, I'm about to, like, to start a new fucking pizza company. He's like, I'm just getting all into the pizza. It's like, okay, dude. Like, they were all Totino's party pizzas, but... And I feel like I'm learning blonde about the pizza business, right? Yeah, they were great, but they're it's food. Oh my gosh! All righty, since we're on the clock, let's start doing the thing. Uh, welcome back to the pod. Uh, brought to you by the new Cool Ranch Papadia, only a Papa John. Brought brought to you by whatever that is. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> We're uh, we're back here to talk about Chaplin. We're now going to get into our thoughts. We were, I mean, we've kind of been spilling our thoughts into you know the intro a little bit, and you know we're out our oh no, I fucked this green up. Yeah, but we've been doing this on our thoughts. I'd not. I have to show that tournament again. Uh, but um, we are going to now get into our thoughts about this movie. Anyone good? Um. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Yes, my first thing on the TriStar logo was really cool to see. I, I really, I'm really happy I got to see the TriStar logo. It's so funny. But... And then the white stallion. That was, so, I, that was a pretty sweet. They're out of business now, and I hate it because I love that logo. I see, yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah. It's as iconic as the fucking, like the, uh, the Paramount Mountains. Like the Columbia pictures, fucking, and the lion, and the lion from Metro Goldwyn, 
Or like the Pixar one where the little fucking lamp comes in and stomps on the eye. It's like, yeah. CNC production. It's like, I'm about to watch a movie. I like A24. Just they, they, uh, they'll just let the artist, like they're like whoever's directing the film, they have to the H24 at the beginning, but they can stylize it and like stuff from the film. So like, for example, like mid '90s, Jonah Hill had like H24 spelled out with skateboards. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I dig that. It'd be a little, a little personal touch on every movie. But um, anyway, awesome title card too, Chaplin. Yeah, my title cards. I like that. I didn't like close up on Robert Downey Jr.'s lips. Didn't care for that. Or him just rubbing white cream to all of the pores on his face. The way he seems so, like, not into it. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. Like, his, you know, he's like, he's like Richard, do we really need to do that? I don't probably paid enough to do this shit. Hey, Richard, are you, are you sure this is important or? To the movie. Something I did want to touch on is like, it, it, because it's, we're so far removed from this period of time and like what entertainment was. But I still can't genuinely believe that people would just keep on laughing at basically the same <laughs> jokes for like 20 years. It's, yeah. It's like, oh, he's drunk and he fell again. <laughs> oh my gosh. That tramp. Like, oh, he's hitting on the lady, but her, her husband's right there. Have you ever seen the Family Guy episode that basically make fun of Charlie Chaplin? Um, I've probably or It's when uh, Peter has got them stuck in the, uh, in the, in like their panic room? Yeah, in their panic room. Oh, knowing stories about all of his, like, relatives. Oh, yeah, all insane ancestor is one ancestor in that silent actor. Um, it's basically a Charlie Chaplin. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one so was Cuban and out. It's the boys of men for the talkies. He talked like Bob Cag old way. He wasn't going to make it. Okay, that's actually, that kind of stuck in my brain. I wasn't thinking about that, that episode at all while watching this movie. But I had like some weird idea that like the reason Charlie never did talkies wasn't because like, he didn't want to, or he was against it. It was just because his voice was weird. I thought that was why, but I think that's just because of that family guy, Julian, probably. I had no basis in reality. That's, which, that's something I thought I just thought about. It was kind of ironic that he was like, I'm gonna try this new booby stuff, and then it's like, talkie. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Talk. I think like, that's not art. It goes back to the theme of Circle of Life, though, because, I mean, like, even... um. Churchill himself has this quote where he's like, if you're not a liberal as a young man, you don't have a heart. Uh, and then it, it, this is... Oh, child, a servant of the old man, you don't have a brain. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you can't look grim, definitely not. I'm not agreeing with it. Not a good talk, good talk to you about a Jagger. <laughs> you get a lot of swell. Just swell. You know how much I love cops. I don't know. But... Uh, I, I did enjoy wearing a wire. <laughs> Fuck. It's peeking out, man. Yeah, can somebody fix this? Can one of you fix this? Ooh, yeah, make that thing of three guys pop up. A guy yeah. pops up out of the plant. It's actually, we're in a box right now. There's a hole. I mean, crew back in. Yeah. 
we're we're spending a lot on this. Yeah, you don't know how much. I literally have a list that says how much money has podcast logged. I'm not even joking. All of it that we've spent so far. Yeah, it's a lot. I like a few hundred dollars, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's a lot. What are you gonna do? Uh, but. Basically, I don't know where we were. I was I was just talking about how um well started with how can they still find the stuff funny and also like how like how he was kind of a hypocrite for like he's like well oh man you guys these movies new movies are so great and as soon as there's a there's an advancement into what he is doing he's like totally rejecting me he's like I'm never doing yeah he's like they want me the end of the tram is like well you could do a different character maybe right I mean like. He's great, very visionary, a very big deal, and pushed things forward as a pioneer in a lot of respects. But, like, could have wrote some more. Because he kind of just did that. Category. A little bit staring. Like, to, to, to be the, one of the funniest and most famous people ever is, like, had a couple more characters than that. Meryl, it's the one guy. It's just, I don't get why. Yeah, he's a versatile. We'll give him that. I didn't get why the tramp had to be. Like, why, I didn't get why the tramp had to be the guy. Yeah. Like, why did that have to be the character that was going to be in the movie? That didn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I guess it's like, he, he, he created it on the fly, sort of, and it worked. And then he's like, stick with this. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't. Which is fair. It did work for pretty much the whole time. And he stopped right when it would have stopped working, pretty much. So like, he stopped at the right time. But it's just like, imagine, I mean, I guess there are some people that kind of do that. Like, I'm not going to name anybody, but there's like some people that you'll see on like SNL and it's like, oh, they're doing that voice again. Nothing. Yeah. They're so good at that one voice. Just that. Not even name. But, you know, good that voice. You nailed that one. I'm sure, yep. the writer, I'm sure the writer's room fucking loves you. You got that one. Yeah, the list of views yard. Further. Okay, do it. Not bad. We should battle Moving Uh, yeah. Bro, when they made a hail on it with a child, I was like, why are they throwing? <laughs> why are they throwing coins at him on stage? That's not like a compliment to me. It's like you're pelting me with like really. Oh, he was poor, so like, I'm sure he loved it. Should have been able to pay rent, really. Yeah. So he was greedy back then. He didn't give any money to him. And also, at least on the back, too. She kind of, yeah. I mean, she was like, she could have taken that moment of being like, oh, you know, I'm not that good of a singer. And then, like, her son is like a great, yeah, like, or propelled him. Just to, like, she's like, how he was your fish heads and uh, I'm not paying red. How to be, be her, be his agent. Watch out, the floor is fucking lava. <laughs> that was the. I laughed at that part. I couldn't help but the way he just generally wraps about to Now a shot. Oh my god. Man, that woman did a very fantastic she did a fantastic job. I just felt thoroughly uncomfortable seeing her. And like the bit where they bring her back to America and they're like in the parlor. Uh him and him and Sydney and his wife and his mom just you know, crumpling up the fucking like tea crackers or whatever the fuck those were. So odd. That was just on and when they had her later on. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, where she's like putting him on. 
And then he goes to stop her, and she's like, I have to do it. He's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Like, I don't think I could stick around that. Because not, like, it's easy to interpret as, like, oh, he didn't give a fuck about her. It was actually, he that he obviously deeply, like, cares about his mother. But it's like, he can't stay to see her like that. It's just further damaging him. And, like, he can't help her. It's not helping him. So I don't entirely blame him for that. It's like one of the parts of the movies that are really intimate. Obviously, my mom is not that fuddy crazy, but she's like standard mom crazy, I guess. Um, but like, it's still, it's relatable. But yeah, like sometimes you just can't stand to be around someone. Uh, but I think you can really do. It's not that like you, you're not helping. It's something you cannot help. Right. No, like maybe in modern times we're like, more uh focus and like research has been done on mental health and there's actually like strides being made like medication and behavioral therapy and shit like that she probably could have lived a relatively normal life but back then it's kind of amazing they got her out of the sanitarium like <laughs> usually you get put in an asylum especially when you get dragged away screaming into an asylum you don't come back out that easily it is so they're like no we can't let you have her yeah she would have ended up dead in her in a lot of scenarios, uh, so it's pretty cool. Maybe the maybe the asylums in Britain are better, even back then. <laughs> if it is, if she's been put in an American asylum, let me tell you the stories. I can't tell you what they, they they portrayed that place clean. It was nice. It looked the the nurse lady was nice. Yeah, she didn't like beat her when she started screaming. It was like not that have you seen lots of like. Uh, portrayals of like old school American asylums, but oh yeah, have you ever seen Shutter Eye? It was just a pretty, it was just a prison. Like, uh, stop screaming, beat you, yes. hit you with the hose. Like, in fucking Shutter Island, they have a whole separate prison for the people that felt like they just couldn't save. They just throw them in there, and they're just like, they're dirty. And it's like, it literally is like a jail that they never. Yeah, and you ever watch the like the urban exploration videos, people going to the abandoned like mental hospitals and stuff? It's like that looks like a haunted like that's just haunted. It's bad. Yeah. Bad vibes all around. Abandoned mental health hospital is like three words, four words that you should never want to hear uh someone tell you you have to go to a place. That would be like the last place I would want to go. It's like saying you gotta go with me to TJ Maxx. We need sheets. Like, calm God, that's I mean, kill me. Just kill me. Do I do I do I have a suicide option? I'm not doing that fucking shit. I'll explore a lot of stuff. I'm not scared of trespassing, but something about like I, I feel like if ghosts are real and they exist anywhere, it's in the abandoned mental mental facility. Yeah, those people have every right to haunt. Uh, no doubt, they they are gonna get their get back, and that is for sure. Uh, and they should, they don't. And they deserve it. Uh, fucking Charlie Chaplin's mom is out there crumpling up crackers, and some team are waiting. Why are these crumbs in my bed? Francis Farber is gonna get her. This you're <laughs> talk about the narration. I, I just I don't know. She got every scene that his mom is in is hard to watch. Yeah, it's and that's a that's an attribute to her and her performance. But I man, those were those were just rough. Yeah, like the look in her eye from the get go is just like a tortured soul. 
And they barely alluded to his father, which is like a reflective of how Chaplin feels about his father. Like, yeah, he's a fucking drunk. He died. Who cares? And that's that's the last time they mention him. Like, all right. I honestly, with that one line where you said you was a drunk, he was on stage and he died. What else do I need to tell you? No. And I thought that was going to be how he died. <laughs> Normally, stuff like that you know is used as like anecdotes. Being of the biographical movie, I was kind of surprised they didn't like show the very end of his life. But I, but after thinking about it, it's like, well, that's the best way they could have ended it. Couldn't just show him dying at hospital, but it's like, Ugh. put even more layers of old man makeup on Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> It looked like they kind of started piling it on and like just put more. It, is, it wasn't applied with a brush. It was one of those rollers. Just rolled it onto his fucking face. Or maybe it dipped him into a can of it. And with his neck, it looked like he just put play on it. I would love to see like, did him like topless with like just the makeup on? See like, just, like if you can see the layer of makeup like coming off of him. I bet you could. That'd be pretty thick. That'd be pretty fun. I wonder how hot it was. I wouldn't even want to imagine that. When they should have gone to pull Jackass wasn't a thing yet. When I had my face pinned for Halloween, I had to like I like rubbed it off like over the course of the night. The time I had a, I had a nose. I had like two little things under my under my eyes, and that was like really it. But it was so much. Should have it hard hard to get off. It hurts. And take a pillow to do something like it. Yeah, so I can I can see maybe that's why Robert Downey Jr. was so reluctant to put on <laughs> the face paint in that intro. This is gonna fucking hurt. <laughs> and back then it was probably lead based. It was lead based paint. It's like yeah, it's just lead based paint. Dip your hands in white. Bell is really in the sulfur. You lick it off your finger. That. It's tasty. Yeah, it, it's really sulfury. I don't, I don't know. You got any more of those asbestos chips? I'm, I'm starving. Give me a mercury thermometer. Uh, so good. Bam. Yeah, I, I don't know what else really to say about the movie besides. I like the old shots when they were traveling in that one scene, um, and they switch over to like the old aspect ratio. And it made it look like it, it was like an old traveling footage. It has the speedboat. Okay, okay, okay. How about that? like on the boat. That was a really cool shot. Him on the back of the boat, just looking how like, it had New York. So New York. As we, yes. Then, like, that realization that, like, he's not coming back. Yeah. Was so, like, like, the way, like, the way he asked, like, kind of childishly. He's like, so I can't go back? And it's like, ah. Uh, like, yeah. You really feel for him and them. I weren't, but you feel you feel like all the sixteen-year-old girls in America are a lot safer. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> like maybe in that regard, is for the best. He's the Brits' problem now. Yeah, all those geezers over there. Fucking. Okay, that's the last one. <laughs> the last time. Uh, but I don't know. I did want to talk about that one scene where he finds out that his first love had died. The girl, the one that rejected him, uh, rejected his marriage proposal when she was 16 years old. Um, she, he finds out she's dead. Yeah. No one told him. 
like he had a he when he didn't know until he got back. Everyone they told I figured somebody would trade him. He was in a train when they told him uh, he has to step out of the train. He has to try to recollect himself. Someone who's in the train car with him uh, comes out, coddles him a little bit, and then he has to go out to a mass of people chanting its name and one his first wanting to have a good vibe with him. You know, it's his first time coming back to London for what, like twenty years or some shit. Yeah, so it's like. He goes from like hopeful, excited, and just like optimistic. The one thing that you really had left here is gone. And I'm given, I am almost certain that's like why he was coming back, maybe. It's like to go see her. It, well, yeah, he mentioned um, when he was talking to Carno before he figured out she was dead that he had the letter she sent him telling him that she got married in his back. Like he was, he was dead set on seeing her, yeah. probably ruining her marriage if she was not dead. Sure. He would have destroyed her life. Yeah, but like, I don't care who the fuck is a politician. <laughs> but you know what? It says something that uh, long after she was 16, he still left her. I'm so... They just keep on... There's so many openings. Uh, the second last one. <laughs> I got one more last one. Yeah, we'll get two more last one. <laughs> uh... But yeah, and in that same vein, when he was, um, when he tried to go to the bar, uh, back home, and like immediately people are badgering him, and then there's like the fucking drunk assholes who are like, Yeah, I ride Charlie fucking Jeff. All, we all did you and fucking drink. He is a fucking drink. Yeah, it's like big fucking deal, dude. You know, funny how the type of entitlement to be like, I fly no art while you're making movies. You didn't suffer the way I did. It's like, as a way to say that they don't deserve to live a life at all. Wait, dude, you can just you can have a beer. What are you doing? And frankly, I don't think he would have been worth much on the battlefield, so. Yeah, I mean, like. Can you imagine, like, you're all in the trenches lined up, and you're about to go on the top, and this guy's over here just doing the fucking penguin water. Yep, 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 yep. You'd lose your shit. A man would die so quickly. So you're trying to treat your trench foot, and you're like, can you give me... The bandages, and he just keeps using bandages. Oh, and we could have used this vaudeville actor's help in this war. Like, come on, he was kind of a. You were a, like, right? Hey, let's let's not act like you weren't like a woodworker before you went and fought. Let's not act like you weren't. Would the one extra guy have made a difference charging into a hail of machine gun fire? I don't think so. I don't think the guy that plays the drunkard, you know, as a character. And Vaudeville needs to be the one, like, holding a gun in his hand. And maybe a guy who's, like, worked on a farm all his life, or a guy who's, like, you know, using tools and what. There's actually a little bit of, um, a little bit of irony there, because Charlie's making his, his movies, like, the slightly political bent to them, where he's, like, yeah. making fun of the, the officials, the government, and, like, rich people and royalty, like, all that stuff. And he's like, I'm appealing to the common people. And there's the common people are like, we fucking hate you. <laughs> we see you as the same thing. Yeah, no, I mean, not. Because he still always kind of saw himself as like that little kid in London who was eating fish heads. I'm rather you eat, you're eating the entire fish and like three more now. And you're doing it from the comfort of a kid. Number one. Uh, it'll yeah, I mean, I don't understand where the self, uh, the self, self-righteous, 
no, like, I don't understand how he doesn't have, like, the self-realization that they would not like him. Yeah, like... Or they would... You, in Gone, they don't like him. It, it's that they don't read, like, they don't relate to him at all. Yeah, because he left when he was, I mean, between kids still, and then he's gone for, like, a lifetime. And then he comes back, he's like, is everyone going to suck my dick? <laughs> and a few people are like, no. But at the same time, they were a little bit overly dickish. Yeah. But it just goes to show that he, he had a weird view of himself at, like, and how he was perceived. Like, at the height of his fame, he was like, yeah, everyone's going to like me. And then years later, he's like, I'm a nobody. Nobody will like me. Nobody at all. Nobody will like me because those four guys threw beer at me. That one. Uh, they, the fact that I actually put Charlie on the cutting room floor was really funny. I thought that was a really funny touch. I liked that uh, whole bit of the, how they edited Fitch show. They, kind of, they literally just cut and paste it together. Like, that was how they ended. And you had to actually take it and just look at the fucking little tiny, teeny picture on there and be like, oh, yeah, that's the one. Honestly, in a way, it, it sounds easier at editing that. That's what I was going to say. Editing. <laughs> I edit a podcast every week. This one, and it's not that easy. Is <laughs> it's 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 fairly easy. I don't want to. I'm not trying to build myself up to my. It's not that hard, but it would be a lot easier. A lot of times, if I had like three frames that I could look at, I could look at three or four frames and be like, "Oh, it's this exact frame." But I kind of just have to click around and guess. Uh, but that's just because I use iMovie. But Fuck you, I'm not paid. It's as podcast has launched enough money, but I'm not gonna buy After Effects for it. I'm not doing this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the cutting floor scene. It was for that might have been like I don't want to say my favorite sequence. Man, maybe the I did like the my favorite. But sequence. I was always in like I was always very like I was paying a lot of attention to whatever Dan Hancock on screen. Yeah. Because not only did he take up a lot of space on the screen, literally, but also in a metaphorical sense, he took up a lot of space on the screen and in my own mind. So that was a great performance. He was really good. Um, his character, well, only being a short bit of it was nice. And I also liked his ending title card. It was like, he was a nobody, basically. <laughs> they gave him a special Oscar, or that was it. Like, yeah, I get it. Take your participation trophies. You helped. You got the shit off the ground. Good job, buddy. He watched so Charlie could, could. Yeah, he quite literally. Quite. Pretty much. Yeah. I'd say, I think that's fair to say. He got his name in that Chaplin movie, so people will always know it. Man, my absolute favorite uh, ending title card was for the Carno, the guy who initially hired Chaplin to be in his variety after. It's just like, he was bankrupt like in 1926, which would have been like, very shortly after he saw Charlie again, yeah. and then he died at last and not like, yeah. We got him. Because he was kind of a dick. He was pretty much uh, just a complete asshole. I don't like anybody who has a cigar stuck in the crook of their fucking mouth. Oh, and it's, oh my god, that was another aspect of him learning the news of his first love dying is fucking Carno. Was the one. Yeah, and it's like the worst part. And Carno fucked up the one date he got to have with her. Yeah. I would have punched Carno. Honestly, I would have knocked his ass out. All right. 
yeah, you could like that is that it's like a gut wrenching feeling for that. I can only imagine what that felt like. Yeah, I've been like on a really high note and then just to come crashing back. Everyone's celebrating. Have to put on a face. But the only thing that you want is gone. Without everybody giving you everything that you don't want. But the one thing that you do want, and no matter how much love that people give you, no matter how much money you have, you can't get it back. And that's that's rough. Really, really, really layered emotion. This movie, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, that's what I would call this movie. That's how I would sum it up. It's an emotional film. And it's very layered, too. And it's really mature film as well. Like, it, it's it's so... This movie is very well-directed and so tight. Yeah, for 220. I, I think we barely touched it, but for that... Yeah, for that hour's chunk time. Super tight. To, to keep me engaged in a topic that I had no prior interest in for two and a half hours is pretty freaking impressive. Because, I mean, last time I talked about Casino Royale, I was tuning out, like, the entire time. I think it's a some... Which you would think an action film. Casino Royale is longer. Was it? Yeah. And it was more fucking boring. Yeah. But it was only 10 minutes longer. Oh, but it was... It felt... It felt like... 35 minutes longer. It felt like it was twice as long as it needed to be to tell the story. Yeah. It was just a lot of unnecessary stuff. But this one was late, so refreshing. It is... We're back on track. We're only watching good music. Yeah. And so what happens, I'm not forced to scramble. Yeah. And pick something. Thanks to David, Joe, and I'm not. I'm vying for a position here. I need that pension, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, what are we at? Uh, we're almost at the uh, second break here. We should have 50 seconds. Okay, so we'll be back. I'm ready to rate this one. Okay. I just want to get, I have like some, I have like, uh, I'm going to get a few thoughts out there. Uh, fuck German and American fascism, fuck the FBI, uh, fuck the, the throw you, they've thrown you out of America. I didn't like that line. That was, that was really bad. That was really bad. I, I like this movie a lot, and that was really bad. Like, yeah, the whole three get shot together. I liked seeing the Hollywoodland sign and then seeing it later as Hollywood to show you what time it was. I'd forgotten that it was Hollywoodland at some point. And so, yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed the pregnancy scare um, and playing on, like, the uh, the culture of the 19, early, like, 1900s people of Jesus. Like, what the fuck? Uh, the early, like, 1900s culture of being like, well, if I don't, you know, marry her, she's going to have a, a bastard child, and that child's going to have that, and it's going to carry on through its life, and it's and it. And it yeah, it's like a big like, deal. Yeah, it's a super huge deal, but now it's such a commonplace. It's kind of sad. I'm a bastard. Nice. Yeah. And it, yeah. Are you Yeah. Oh, my parents weren't married. It's, it, it's weird that it's a commonplace thing. But I don't know. I don't know that it's weird because... It's not like a traditional or religious belief in that, but I do think that ideally a couple would be committed to each other for like a long-term thing before they have a kid. Yeah, like birthing a life. So you don't actually have to be married, but you just have to both be like, hey, if we're going to have this kid, we're going to have to be involved with each other for the rest of our lives, whether we like it or not. So we have to decide now if I think it's going to work. Do I like you enough to spend the next 18 years of my life around you? 
but uh, to just finish our thought though about you know uh, kids and in, in the lot uh, not preparing for them and whatnot. I don't know though. I just don't. It's not a great thing. Uh, but at the same time, I wanted to make the counterpoint of: Do you really want to force a culture where two people who fucking hate each other are married, living in the same house, and like, and like, does that not cause the like cyclical abuse? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. It's worse for kids than that. So the earth, they just split. Yeah, or anyone could ever have a kid at all. Right, it's possible. They, I'm pretty. They had condoms then. And you heard a condom. Yeah, no, but it's cool. Uh, a very, very cool thing. I just want to find use them. After, who knows? I don't know where to find them, but I hear they're cool, and they do. I do hear that they work. I really like Tip the the Dutch with his his wife, like just going to brunette because he said that she would look better that way. Yeah, uh, she, yeah, we usually know her that much. Oh, she was better with blonde, but I don't know. One line, the line. If you want to understand, you watch when. Uh, this movie has so many boobs in it. There's yeah. so much tits in this movie. This movie failed the Bechdel test with flying colors. Yeah, it, it crashed and burned on that note. And the colors are pink nipple color. Like, <laughs> because, god damn, there's like, I have to, I want to say there's at least 10 pairs of tits in this film that are shown. And they're all great. I was going to keep my comment for myself, but... No, because all builds are great. On church. Okay. Oh, you do that? Yeah. It's just a, it's just a nice... It's a compliment. I mean, it has 10 children. What the fuck? Yeah. That was waddle. Did we know about... Oh. Uh, but... And one that wasn't his, but officially was. On paper. Yeah. And Daddy did try to fuck him. Anyway, so... <laughs> So All now right. we're going to get a next break. <laughs> um, and we're going to come back and we're going to rate Chaplin. And we're going to set up next week's episode. And that'll be it. So, yeah. Okay. Who want to eat? We've got chicken fries at home. I was skeptical about the Tyson Any Tizers chicken fries, but they're pretty legit. I was about to ask what chicken fries is where. They're pretty fucking good, dude. Especially in the air fryer. Do about seven minutes of 400 degrees. They're tight. Oh, shit. I've been recording this video. Well, you guys should get those any tighters. No. <laughs> I tell you, no, it's not a plug. It's not. It's not a paid promotion. I actually fucking love this chicken fries. <laughs> Uh, don't you can't forget about Papadia. Man, I don't and don't you can't forget about the Papadia. And don't forget about those poor teenage girls. Oh god. Niagara for Fridge Fridge, actually. Thanks to Charlie. After the floss. Notice how I had each of their title cards. I said their career ended shortly after they made left and Charlie. <laughs> Not saying you blacklisted them. But no, we would. They probably just didn't have real talent. We would never insinuate something like that. It's so unlike pedophiles to um, to prey on vulnerable women. <laughs> they go for the strongest of the pack. Yeah, they go for really strong-willed people uh, with with strong support systems around. Yeah, 
never any girls with like you know daddy issues or no family. Wow. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna rate his movie now. Uh, I'm gonna give him an eight point three. Thought, but now that's a very specific. Yeah, we're we're gonna get into tense now because it's it, it's getting. Well, there's a lot of nuance now, guys. Or watch. Well, we got three that have seventeen. So, so I want to have like five movies tied at number six. You know what I mean? That I'm trying to figure it. Get it more. Okay. Well, then I'll I'll I'll, I'll do that. I'm giving this a nine point two. We'll go up. I was gonna give a nine, but I'll round us. So no, baby, do one in a nine point two. I like it. I don't like it a full nine and a half, but fine, fine. Nine point two feels right to me. Because I was like, I could give it a nine and a half. That's just like I'm doing a little bit too much justice. But yeah, actually, nine point two. Your nine point two slots it right above Lyne at seventeen point five. Take that, Frenchies. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fun. So we have like a, we have a point zero five margin. Her on. It's at the fourth or fifth place. Yeah, I mean, I think some of my rating is based partially on uh, the expectations that I had, which were fairly low or non-existent going in. Um, so that's definitely a part of it. But also, it was just a very heartfelt, emotional um, story, and it was all real. And as much as I love movies, it was kind of cool to see the guy who like made them big, and like and more about him, learn more about the process. I thought they were very faithful to like what Hollywood was like. They didn't they didn't like sugarcoat it too much. Man, just, yeah, they did they didn't make it seem like it was all fun. It was actually a lot of turmoil and like self hatred shame and stuff. I was like, all right, this is cut they did well too with paralleling what it was like to be an early movie star with what it was like to be a current movie star. And like they they um they kind of just put it out there as if like it was the past problem. But you could very easily apply it to today and the type of stuff actors deal with today still. So I thought it was fun in that regard. But yeah, what's all around super solid. I had nothing really to complain about besides the rubber dance your makeup and that one line. Uh, <laughs> the makeup line. That one line. Uh, everything else, pretty freaking well done. Um, can't think there's any that I did not like. I did not like Charlie's pedophilia, but that's more of the thing I don't like about Charlie Chaplin as a human being. I I I yeah, I could agree. I don't like I don't like the reality of it, but I did like that it opened me up to make lots of jokes during this podcast. Yeah, it was really lucrative for this podcast. Not worth it. I don't mind. I wouldn't do it. I would if I could change the course of events. I would I would prefer if Charlie never did that. Oh. But Smithy's the best, making the best of a bad situation. <laughs> yeah, you're honestly you know, the best person um, ever. So, yeah, I think I'm pretty moral. Yeah, me the me honestly the, the oh, most best person I've ever met. Most bestest? Yes, you're the most bestest person I've ever met. Yeah, you're right. Wait. Um. Yes. <laughs> the bestest, bestest ever. The most bestest, westest. Um. Anyway. So, uh, this has been Chaplin, uh, yeah, really good movie, up on the, on the list, I'm gonna post the list after next week's episode, uh, power rankings, yes, uh, so, 
because I posted them after 10. So I'm going to post them again after 20. So just so you guys can see like up close, because I don't know that you can even see the list for, for right from the way I have the camera. Uh, I want to figure out how I can edit it where I can like have that as the screen, like check kind of like record the screen type of thing and how it pump up. But I want to be able to do live commentary with it too, not like as an editing trick. Uh, so it, it, I, I, that's something I have to figure out. I'm just thinking out loud. But uh, yeah, uh, next week we are going to be watching what is considered one of the greatest films of all time. We will be watching The Godfather Part 1. Uh, my mom will be here. That is going to be an experience in itself. We might have our first two-hour podcast. <laughs> Y'all get to meet on to show. My mom loves talking. Or she's a very nice Southern woman, and uh, it should be fun. Next week, we'll also the podcast episode will actually come out on her birthday. Um, but when we're recording it, it will be the week prior. So they could record my first one on my birthday, not Han. Yeah, I gave you for my birthday present. Wait, right around my birthday. You have to give your present on camera. I'm going to give my mom her present. It's on the wall. Nice. My mom cannot put her present on. I hope she doesn't. <laughs> my mom might need to go to the same loony house that Charlie Chaplin's mom went to if she starts putting her present that I got her on the wall. But, uh, and I'm not going to say it because my mom is the only person that actually watches every one of these podcasts to an entirety. <laughs> so I'm not saying what I got her. Time my hello mother. Um in lap. But yeah. So that'll be Can I heat love some me love? And on that. Yeah, on that. We're gonna get some fucking meat love. Yeah, I need to eat. But uh this has been finding new films. We found Chaplin next week. We find the Godfather. Peace and love. Um subscribe, like this, follow us on Spotify. Do all the things. You know what to do. Or check us out on LinkedIn. Looking tree. Not thinking. But yeah. No, LinkedIn, bro. No. Can you think that we got not making those connections? Me and Gary V have been talking about this uh, this NFT series that we're going to do. So I'm out, but he hit the now I'm gone. All right. Bye.